If you're a lifelong learner, being an agriculture producer is almost the perfect profession for you. Other economic sectors evolve and adapt over the years, but since nature doesn't work off of blueprints, learning and adapting in agriculture sometimes needs to happen in days, even hours. You never really know what mother nature is going to dish out, whether it's going to be the good, the bad, or the ugly. So being able to observe and learn and adapt can be just as handy as those mechanical skills. And now we have new learning opportunities at the post-secondary level that blend Blackfoot ways of knowing in agriculture. Oki Nisto Anakuk Derek Leahy. In this episode of Rural Roots Climate Solutions, we're taking a look at the Nitsatapi Agriculture Certificate Program. Oki, and welcome back to the Six Akatsatipi Agriculture Project podcast series where we look at the on-farm and on-ranch climate solutions that are good for the land, good for agriculture, and are a good fit for Blackfoot ways of knowing and culture. In this episode, our series host, Lance Tailfeathers, has a chat with J.R. Weaselfat of Kainai First Nation about the Nitsatapi Agriculture Certificate Program that you can get through Red Crow Community College. Uh, J.R. is a coordinator of the certificate program. It's a one-year diploma program on agriculture production and business management, and there is a possibility of doing a second year of the program that takes you to Olds College in Olds, Alberta. Uh, If anybody's curious, Red Crow College is in standoff at Kainai First Nation. Now, what I found interesting while listening to the interview with Lance and JR, some of the common ground between Blackfoot ways of knowing and agriculture just started becoming more and more clear. Especially that common ground, and honestly, this was my favorite common ground, that common ground of finding ways to come together to provide for our communities with nutritious and delicious food. Okay, and welcome to our uh, Six Gates to be uh, program for Rural Roots to Climate Solutions. I have with us uh, J.R. Weaselfat. Uh, he's involved with the Red Crow Community College, uh, the Agricultural Program. He's our guest uh, today. And uh, I guess before we get into the nitty-gritty of uh, what the program is about, maybe, J.R., if you can uh, just tell us a bit about yourself and your capacity that you uh, work with uh, the Red Crow Community College. Okay, Nadanako Apasas, J.R. Weaselfat. My Blackfoot name is uh, my grandfather's name, which is Weaselfat. Um, I got that name when I was playing hockey in Lethbridge. Oh, about 94, 95, I was playing with the Midget AA team, and I guess I got that name kind of early in life when I was about 17. Um, my dad was going to school at the University of Calgary growing up. Uh, we moved home about 95, 96, um, and we started to... Uh, Got back into the farming and ranching about that time. I finished high school. And uh, I guess I was kind of 
figuring things out there for about four or five years and I uh, had my son and then uh, I really decided to dig in and finish my post-secondary and uh, it was about I guess about five five six years getting my degree got my animal science diploma from the college and I took the two plus two um, at the UFL and got my degree in Ag Studies. Uh, graduated in 2011. But all through that time, I was always working. We always had cattle, uh, hay, some barley. Uh, but uh, I guess about five years ago, my brother Cyrus uh, started growing Timothy, and um, now he's into sorghum. Uh, here with our blood tribe forge, it's a very big ag agriculture business venture on the reserve. Um, that with the ag BTAP and the irrigation. Um, we got some irrigation here that uh, we're using to grow some A Timothy. We're trying to expand that to another pivot, get more equipment and try to um, continue to use our own land and to try to get uh, like, you know, to be independent and not uh, rent our land, I guess. I guess mm -hmm. my uh, dad and my grandpa believed in. Um, you go back to when we first started uh, doing agriculture out here, that was our two biggest uh, for for the blood tribe was cattle and and hay. We always had really good hay, really good cattle, just because of the the our our land and the way it. Uh, I guess it was a uh, you know really suited to ranching. Nowadays, I find there's just too much dry land farming that's dependent on chemical and mechanization and fuel. Those, uh, they don't really lend themselves to biodiversity, you know, healthy um, habitats for ecosystems that, you know, for wildlife because we do hunt, that's part of who we are. You know, your background there, getting into agriculture, uh, getting schooled for it. And then just how did you become involved with the Red Crow Community College, that the program that you're running or a part yeah, of now? Uh, about 2016, I uh, started at the college. I did a year of research on feasibility and um, looking at the program and how, how it would work. And I uh, researched a lot and found some works on uh, Sarah Carter and Lost Harvests. And there was also another book on uh, the blood tribe and our ranching and haying, how we contributed to the surrounding uh, communities 
you know, for us to be contributing, to be a part of agriculture and where it is today in southern Alberta. Um, with Raymond and the sugar beets, we provided a lot of labor to that. Um, so anyway, I uh, I did that feasibility and we and then we started uh, the first program was a preparatory program. It was um, some courses in uh, upgrading and then a course in uh, culture and then a course in agriculture. And then we did that for a couple of years and then I started working with I guess Dr. Addy or Ona Nuka is his last name. Yeah. Started working with uh, college universities to uh, develop partnerships. And um, our first, I guess our first, uh, our first request with Lethbridge was, wasn't too positive. Uh, they didn't really want to work with us. They felt we were, I guess, overstepping, um, I guess, their service. And they felt they were doing enough for the region and agriculture. But I found that wasn't true because we had a lot of students that uh, really wanted that culture and our own perspective on agriculture. So encompassed with Nitsitabi and Blackfoot ways of, I guess, of knowing and our way of life. And it does a lot to identify the student as, uh, Knowing who they are, that we do, we, we did practice food production before agriculture. You know, just because we didn't propagate, we, we selected uh, edible plants and seeds, which is agriculture. Um, we knew how to survive. We, we didn't, uh, you know, settle on a certain piece of land. We always knew it needed a break. That's why we had our winter, summer camps. I think when you tell a student that, it empowers them and gives them a sense of belonging in this agriculture mm. industry and what it's all about and our early endeavors being successful but not continued, however, due to some things we call the Indian Act and being segregated from an economy and industry and uh, under the guise of protectionism uh it just empowers them to keep going forward and not to give up and not to see themselves as less and i don't think lethbridge college was really doing that Mm. they were just going with what they thought but going to central alberta you know there's a, a more diverse points of view and we were heard and they accepted us and are still working with us today. Since then, we've uh, developed uh, partnership partnerships with the University of Saskatchewan. Now we're working to get our own Ag Diploma and Ag Degree program. It'll be accredited and we won't have to partner. It'll be accepted um, mm. with... Uh, colleges and universities so uh that's where we are today 
we have four programs. We have uh, the, the agriculture diploma or certificate. We have the environmental science program, the basic science program, and then the livestock. And then uh, that basic science is kind of a, a real background in college science. So, and, and high school, but it uh, gives the student a foundation in, in the science that they will need going into uh, post-secondary uh, agriculture science programs. I'm also reading too on your website uh, what the college offers about the program. Students upon completion can enroll with the old college program. If you can maybe touch on that and expand. We deliver the first year in uh, in the ag business, ag commerce diploma program at all at olds, and then they can major in uh, agronomy and plant and soil science, and also uh, animal science. So that first uh, foundation year, we deliver that at uh at red crow through an articulation agreement um and that's kind of uh kind of guarantees that we're meeting the i guess the the academic uh, uh, student outcomes of what they need to move into that uh, second year yeah so i think we've had four graduates come out of olds that were from the blood tribe but we want to uh, we want to have our own two year diploma act program, and I think next year we'll, we're going to be starting that. And uh, so yeah, everything's <laughs> uh, through patience and dedication and being, uh, uh, you know, I I guess hopeful on that. Mm-hmm. And it, it, it takes time. It's been We've been doing this for about seven, eight years, and the research we're doing, and the, you know, the funding we're getting, it's uh, um, it's really, really working out good. Uh, we got the funding to run our agriculture cottage for two years. We're gonna be building a greenhouse. Yeah, so it's it's been successful. Part of Rural Roots to Climate Solutions, the uh, Six Gates to Be program's purpose is that uh, it highlights what regenerative agriculture looks like or could look like within our Blackfoot Confederacy. So through this program, do you address this or raise awareness regarding impacts of what you would say good versus poor agricultural practices? It uh, talks about... Uh reinvesting or taking care of the you know the number one asset in agriculture which is the land and trying to get it back to its uh or trying not to further impede its uh i guess fertility and uh its you know usefulness in agriculture and 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 uh not to affect biodiversity and uh i guess those ecosystems for wildlife that it's uh you know 
it's accountable for. And I think uh, using uh, uh, those natural fertilizers in the garden and uh, trying to be not totally organic just because of all the hoops and hurdles that are with that. Mm. Uh, I think you need, if you're going to take something out of the soil, you need to put something back. Can't just totally leave it. Mm-hmm. So using, uh, and the biochar, it's, uh, it's derived from a natural process. Um, it's not chemical. Same with urea. Uh, the phosphorus. And there, we're trying to work with this company to get some more of that uh, biochar and uh, I guess do, do some more uh, partnerships to to kind of get it more, uh, I guess, uh, to deliver it to the, you know, inform the community how to uh, fertilize that's uh, more of an in a natural way. You mentioned soil degradation on some of the background info you shared uh, with me better earlier. Yeah. Uh, could you expand on what that is and what ag producers need to be aware of? Specifically, pea sources, uh, urea fertilizers, is that how you say that? Yeah, yeah. And bi- yeah, biochar or biochar soil amendment. Well, I think uh, if you look at the landscape of agriculture with all this dry land farming, people come and... Uh, out here to farm renting land so they're not really here for the you know for the you know for the long run they're they're using this land to i i guess uh, economies of scale they want to expand the use of their machinery uh economies of scales is the economic theory that you decrease your input costs by increasing your production so your total output and that's just more land to farm they wouldn't be doing this kind of farming around their own if you go to lethbridge you see all these green you know uh you don't see the soil open up and like it is here when when they come out to harvest or when they before they seed you know, they use a lot of chemicals. Sometimes they don't rotate their their crops. You can see barley on barley on barley. And it's not good for soil diseases and it builds up. Um, it's just not good. It's not a good crop rotation. Uh, but for, you know, for, uh, I guess, uh, people out here that want to try to use that, we're trying to uh, promote it at the garden and just, you know, try to, I guess, open up that dialogue about uh, what it is to look after the land and try to, um, trying to promote food security and, you know, 
I've always believed in uh, ranching because it's more in tune with, uh, I guess, uh, you know, having wildlife and cattle on your land and then growing crops. You don't have to seed it. Growing hay, I mean, you don't have to seed every year. So that, I guess, that soil carbon sequestration is always there. You're always keeping that cycle going. You're not just bare soil or when you seed, it kind of leaves it, uh, it's not really, it's just creating a hot spot. It's not, you know, that uh, continue uh, carbon sequestering doesn't, uh, it doesn't uptake with, uh, I guess, a lot of dry land farming. I was going to uh, just interject here. Uh, you mentioned car, uh, you mentioned soil carbon sequestration. Mm-hmm. Um, part of your program, how, how do you approach this concept to your students? Through the garden and through the courses we do, the environmental science um, really focuses on uh, remedial, um, how to look after the land and what kind of uh, what kind of crops will will kind of keep that. Uh, carbon you know you need plants to consume carbon if you don't have those plants because plants produce oxygen we we produce carbon dye you know when when we're you know through cellular respiration so uh i guess it's it's natural we have this land to kind of take out the carbon from the environment, produce oxygen. So that's what we uh, try to promote. And when you're, uh, when you're um, dry land farming, you're seeding, it, it just doesn't happen all at, you know, there's some land that gets taken out of production and a lot of things like overgrazing you don't want to deplete those healthy grasses from the environment. You participated oh, a couple of years ago with one of Rural Roots' uh, food security in-learning sessions or was it in-person learning session. And you talked on uh, the community garden program that the college, if it still offers that. And is that still part of the program? And if you can just expand on what that exactly is about the community garden, because you did mention food security and the, you know, yeah. I... Myself, the rate of uh, unemployment and people accessing, you know, getting a ride into Lethbridge or their local grocery, you know, it's pretty challenging, especially with inflation and all of that. So just some some of your thoughts on the program and how we can encourage that to keep going. I think uh, what we're trying to promote is that people can be proactive uh, and, you know, solutions to being secure in their own uh, food and you know, even raising a few animals, there's a lot of rural communities out here who do have land, you know, you know, a few cows, a few chickens, you know, just that, you know, small farm. My grandma always had a garden, always had potatoes, carrots, onions, and being, uh, you know, growing that pride in the community, working together, that is the 
you know, the goal of a community garden is that we have people. And we, it, we did accomplish that. We had a lot of people really, you know, come out and say that we were doing a good job. And I, I guess, uh, I, uh, yeah, I, we here at Red Crow, we're very proud of that. And uh, mm-hmm. we continue to do that. And, and that, I guess, you know, working together that, you know, speaks to our Nitsitapi mm-hmm. Black, uh, how we used to be together. What were some of the details of your community garden, like the, the program set up, where was it uh, located and stuff like that would be pretty beneficial to our listeners to express. The community gardens located in Standoff. It's, uh, it's on the Ring Road. Uh, so it's uh, very close to uh, the town site of Standoff. I think when we first got there, there was just a, a barbed wire fence and mm. I guess some programs started and ended. We've really tried to create the, uh, try to finish the infrastructure there that was needed. We're pretty close to, you know, once we get that greenhouse, we'll be able to create our own seedling, our own nursery, uh, like a greenhouse nursery to to help community members, you know, start with some of those uh, vegetables that need to be started early when it might be kind of cold in the early spring, and they could, you know, take them and finish them at home. But yeah, this past year we had uh, corn, carrots, onions, and uh, a few potatoes, and then we grew some tobacco with. Uh, I think it was Health Canada and FCSS uh, tobacco control strategy, basically to remind the uh, you know our youth and community members about using tobacco responsibly and how you know we how we used it as uh, black with people Cer- ceremonies, right? That's yes. Up. Yes, and how you uh, you offer or you know, for prayers and and, uh, at the sun dance and whatnot. The the program itself, if you can, even off the top of your head, how many students have been, have enrolled or have gone through the program in general and more of your success stories, some students who have gone on, even gone on to the old college program and stuff like that, if you could share with our listeners. Yes. Uh, so I think we've had roughly oh, 50 to well, 25 students every year all across the programs. Well, this year we have uh, an extra two programs. But I think, you know, before that, for five years, it's always been around 15 to 20 students that finished the program. Um, not all of them uh, continue to go into ag. Some go into different areas of study. But I think when a, a student uh, begins to help themselves in general is, is a success story in itself. 
this is another question I've posed to all my um, those that I've interviewed from the community. How do I frame this is um, how we are today with agriculture, science that we call colonization. Do you think there's a link to how Blackfoot ways of knowing can be reintroduced or applicable to today's agriculture or just some of those uh, cultural connections just from your own viewpoint and your experience doing this type of agriculture and also making it a, a, a study uh, platform for, uh, you know, for our community members who participate? Well, I think the, the real roots of uh, how farming started was within the being a family operation within the realm of community. It's not at all different from who we are as Nitsitipi, how we identify as being together and doing things together. And, you know, we have all these um, things that people talk about to try to uh, create borders. Like, but if you really look at it, they're, they're very much identical because our way of life it's always been about working together, going out and yeah, we, you know, we all like to eat. So, you know, family farms and our Blackfoot way of life are not too different. That's why we were so successful as farmers and ranchers out here. Mm. But it wasn't that uh, there was no policy for us to keep up with uh, mainstream agriculture because we couldn't capitalize we couldn't get that you know those big loans for our for our own producers out here farmers and ranchers i guess if you look at how how it is today that's really the real thing that separates us um why it just didn't take off i really appreciate the uh expertise that you've shared with us uh, today I guess in closing, just to anything else that you wanted to add that would be of importance to what the ag, ag world is about from your worldview? Uh, yeah, so I guess in closing, I'll just say I appreciate uh, the time that you took to uh, uh, learn about what we're doing here at the college. And uh, I, I hope it... Uh, create some understanding and some partnerships that will lead to trying to create some land economies out on Blackfoot territory that are sustainable. Mm. I think we always need to take the time to listen and learn about each other and what we're doing in, you know, in those aspects. So yeah, I, I'm thankful for, uh, yourself and your organization and i hope uh, you guys can join us for our conference in may our blackfoot ag conference rural roots to climate solutions is an alberta-based organization empowering agriculture producers and the communities they live in with climate solutions rural roots runs workshops farm field days webinars and participant-driven projects like the six cicada tippy agriculture project 
and the Regenerative Agriculture Lab. We produce a farmer's blog. And of course, we do this podcast. For more information about us and what we do, go to the website, which is www.rr2cs.ca. The rest of the amazing and talented Rural Roots to Climate Solutions team is Shiana Younger, Kristen Mountain, Shelly Seed, and Lance Tailfeathers. The podcast is funded by a variety of Alberta-based funders and other funders from other parts of Canada. This episode was recorded in Southern Alberta, so that means it was recorded on Treaty 7 lands and in the Métis Nation of Alberta Region 3. Happy farming wherever you are in Alberta. And remember, what's good for the farm is usually good for the climate.